0: Alright, what's up everybody, welcome to The Organic Guy podcast. I am your host, The Organic Guy. This is your home of organic conversations where you get to hear from various thought leaders across the organic movement. Today I'm super excited to be joined by Eduardo Coco, who is the director of iForm Organics. Europe is also the head of secretariat for TP Organics and is also a council member for TP, which is uh, the technological innovation platform of iPhone. Mr. Eduardo also has a PhD on uh, the role of stakeholder in uh, strategic decision making processes, uh, from uh, the Polytechnic University of uh, Malte. So before we get into the conversation, thank you very much for joining me in the podcast. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Ogara. Welcome to all the listener. I mean, I'm very excited to be with you today as well.
0: I always like to give our listeners and our viewers a little bit of background for the guest who has joined us and for me your background is very interesting because before even joining ifoma organics europe you are actually very much involved within the organic movement so maybe you can help paint a picture for the guys who are listening for the first time uh, what was the processes? Uh, I mean, what were uh, some of the involvements before joining uh, iPhone Gangs Europe? Uh, I think I have to start from uh, really
1: in the past, you know, when I was a little guy and uh, yeah. I born in a city in a very high dense uh, habitat city, which is Naples on the west coast of, uh, of Italy. And I, I born really in, the, you know, in a suburb with big buildings and uh, not too much green. And I think this was the reason why I really wanted to study something like agriculture, something that could b- move me outside of the city. So when I was 13, I decided to study agriculture and I described myself to a secondary school for uh, agriculture and uh, food, let's say. And uh, and there the magic happened because uh, after the second year, some strange people started, you know, coming in my class and talking about strange things called organic farming. It was uh, really in the 90s. So it was the start of the organic movement, let's say the start of, you know, the organic market as well. And, you know, I was 16 and I was used to study biotechnology. I mean, to have an Excel file, to put in, you know, the formula to make fertilizer. And then suddenly some, uh, some people told me that it was an alternative. It was something that we could do, a kind of revolution to be made in, a, in our plate, you know, in, a, in our farms, in our industry. And I got really passionate about that. So I started uh, at the age of 16 to really engage with the organic movement as a volunteer. And um, I grew up in the organic movement since since that. So I've been funding, you know, uh, the Association of Producers of my region, the Italian Association for Organic Farming of Campania region. And I've been very active in the scene uh, in the organic movement for, uh, for more than 10 years in Italy. And then I moved to Brussels. But during these 10 years in Italy, I could also uh, continue my study. So I got a master's degree in food science and technology at the University of Naples. And I could really experience what organic means. I could really be on the ground, in the fields, with farmers to know from them what organic means for them, what they do differently from other people. I could be in the industry to learn why industry decided to go for organic. Instead, you know, of uh, going for something that's easier and maybe uh, easier to produce and maybe also easier to sell. So I, I think the the backbone the backbone of my experience is really these ten years uh, that I spent in Italy, where I could experience uh, real things, concrete things. I could touch the organic movement. And then uh, I decided to enlarge my my horiz- horizons, and I applied to be uh, to be part of the team of iPhone Organic Europe. At that time we were uh, three people plus two stagiaires and uh, it was very exciting to move to brussels and to experience you know working for iphone it was kind of a dream because when you're in the organic movement you always see iFarm as the, the organization where you want to be the organization that you are proud to be member you know
0: yeah
1: and uh, the, so i was very proud to be uh, to be then employed by iphone and my task was really to develop tp organics so this european mm-hmm. technology platform for organic food and farming. Uh, which has been uh, my little baby for uh, many years uh, since uh, 2013. So from 2008 to 2013, I really took care of uh, the the development and the recognition of uh, the European technology platform TP Organics towards the EU institution, while supporting IFOM Organics Europe in many other activities. And uh, now it's uh, more than 14 years that I'm part of the team of iFarm Organics Europe. And this is a really incredible experience because I could you know, understand also how organic can be placed in a political talks at European level and how we can propose ourselves as a solution to the societal challenges that we are facing. But it's also very exciting because I got to know uh, the organic sector at large. So not only the farmers from my region, or from my country, but really farmers from all over the world who are committed to make um, our agricultural sector better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that uh, it's uh, it's for me still revolutionary. I still think organic farmers are making a revolution in our
0: fields. Interesting and very inspiring background, I must say. Um, And as you rightly mentioned, actually, when growing up, most people are always looking up to, you know, iFoam Organics as torch torchbearer and, you know, a places where they want to be. And I guess to some extent, most people uh, do know about iFoam Organics International and maybe they don't understand what iPhone uh, organics europe is all about i mean they might um, yeah read something from the name but maybe you can help us understand what iPhone organics europe actually does and you know its involvement within the organic movement
1: so your question is about iPhone organics europe and i would like to start with us, slogan a yeah. slogan that, uh, it's maybe a little bit old, but uh, I think it's still very effective. Think global, act local. So we have iPhone Organics International, which is our global place where we can think and discuss the development of organic farming and, you know, the development of our movement. And then we have regional bodies of yeah. iPhone We have a regional body in Latin America, a regional body in North America, in Asia, and we have a regional body in Europe, iPhone Organics Europe. What do we do? We bring together the iPhone members, so uh, the farmer community, the processor and traders, the retailers, the certification body, but also the people working in science, the people working in input for organic. I mean, we bring all together, all these people together. We help them to uh, have a discussion you know, around political topics that are being are being faced in, uh, in Europe. And then together with them, we try to develop positions that can influence positively the European policies towards uh, organic. So what we do, it's basically from one side, really advocate, to make Europe more organic. That's our tagline. We make Europe more organic. And how do we do that? We do that by analysing the political landscape and making sure that our voice, the voice of our member can be heard, you know, by policymakers. We do it also by offering organic as a solution to the challenges that Europe is facing. And we do it with a strong uh, scientific background. So we want always science to back up what we say, but we also do it in a, let's say, in a way of serving the sector. So what me and my colleagues do is not to bring our position, our ideas, to the policy makers, but it's to make sure that we can collect the ideas and the position of our members, and then we can translate them into the Brussels language and then present their point of view, their voice to the policy makers. So uh, I like to say that the people working in IFM Organic Zero are kind of translators. They translate the needs of the organic movement into policy demand and yeah. policy requests for the policy makers. Then from another side, what we do in iFarm Organic Zero is to keep developing the organic sector. I mean, we want the organic sector to keep improving, to keep developing, to keep, you know, inspiring uh, the rest of the agricultural community. And we do it in many ways. I think it's worth to mention that we are very much active on innovation because we believe that uh, being organic farmer is uh, being an innovative farmer by default. Because, you know, when you want to do standings in a better way with less like we do, then you must be innovative. And we are putting a lot of energy, we have a so-called knowledge unit in iFarm Organics Europe, which is developing innovation project, it's making sure that then all the innovation that are developed are translated in a language that is good, for the end users and that, you know, end users like farmers or the industry or the advisory services, and they, they can really apply these innovations on the ground. But yeah. we are also working on capacity building. We think it's very important to help our members in the different member states of the European Union and in Europe in general to have uh, a better understanding of what advocacy means and to have tools to make advocacy in their own country. So to propose organic as a solution, as well as we help them to understand what kind of business model could uh, could be applied to create new organic associations. So to have really association of organic farmers, organic retailers, organic processors in the in the different Member States to be representative, to have you know strong voice into the national debates. Yeah. So it's really condensed in a nutshell. Uh, I could speak hours about what we do. We, we really do a lot. Yeah. But I advise all your listeners to follow us because we have a very uh, informative newsletter that is out every two months, more or less, with a lot of activities. We have our annual report, we are a very good base to understand all the different things we do and also we are very active on social media where we explain step by step all the activities you know and all the campaigns and all the political fight we are running in brussels
0: definitely i can attest to that you are very active on social media i get a lot of uh, information and updates on what's happening within the organic movement uh, in europe so that's a very good start for anybody uh, who wants to get more information on what's happening in the organic sector within europe i also like the analogy you mentioned earlier uh, of iphone really being yeah regionalized and spreading you know to be able to offer solutions based on the context on uh, different places and it goes back to one of my beliefs lily of saying that organic is actually decentralized in a way because um it's not held up in one singular place and then uh being in a dictatorial way that you know moving on you must apply this uh, in your farming system to produce more or this kind of stuff um organic farmers in africa for example and an organic farmer in europe they all can be practicing organic farming but uh using these different principles in a different way so for example rotation an organic farmer can in africa can use different crops uh to do their rotation and organic farmers still in europe doing rotation but using different crops so in a way very much decentralized and uh, allowing people to use their context um on how they want to do their farming so very very interesting the other thing that we are um very much involved with right now is uh COVID because yeah in one way or another it has affected us um in our lives in a in a major way and I guess organic is no different at all as iphone Organics Europe you are representing a lot of uh, sectors within the organic movement. So maybe you can help us understand what has been, you know, the reactions from your different members and how have you seen this COVID situation really affecting your members? First,
1: I I need to make this sentence. I I need to really say that uh, COVID-19 has made a lot of people struggling, struggling for their health, for their economical situation, for their social lives. This is something that Touch, touch all of us in IFM Organics Europe, all the staff and the members. We've been talking a lot about uh, COVID-19, also in our office, especially you know, uh, in the first and second wave. Uh, we we know that a lot of people have been struggling. So uh, first of all, I would like to offer our solidarity to the people who has been struggling with that in Europe but all over the world. And then going more into the farming and the food uh, uh, aspect of COVID-19, I, I have to say thank you to all those people working in the food industry and in the agricultural industry who kept working despite the pandemic, despite the crisis around, the, you know, this sanitary crisis around us. They kept working to secure that there was enough food on the shelf of all the european supermarkets so this this uh, is very important because these people is very work worked really hard despite you know very difficult situation i mean for a moment in europe there were no containers we could not move the the supplies there were no drivers because the you know they were not willing to travel with the with all the border closed so it was not easy but still uh, our community, our organic community, has been able to keep working, to keep delivering food on the shelf uh, for our consumers, to keep uh, you know delivering at the places of our of the consumer, you know, direct uh, direct selling to our consumer. Yeah. I mean, I, I found the organic sector super resilient. I was listening yesterday from a, a a farmer from Austria, who was telling his story about COVID. He said, you know, I mean, my main business is to sell to restaurant, but then. Suddenly, restaurants have closed. So I didn't know what to do with my food. And I, from the other side, there was, there was the people in the restaurant that didn't know what to do because they were, you know, jobless. So uh, I think this is a nice uh, it's a, it's a nice story because what they did, they talked, you know, and then they, they decided, okay, what maybe we can do in the restaurant is to process your products and make some process that can last longer. And then we can try to sell it together and, uh, you know, again, together. And, and they did it. And they've been very successful in that. And they now I keep, you know, they kept doing this processing of this food and selling this new product on the market. And I think this is a, a short story, but uh, it's an example of how resilient can be our, our movement. I think it's so resilient because we really have a, a high spirit of cooperation between, you know, uh, the farmers, the, the, the people processing the food, uh, the retailers and the, the food supply chain. But let me also bring in uh, some economical aspect of COVID because, as I said, uh, it's been really tough for many people, but it's not been tough for the organic market. Mm. Actually, the opposite. Huh? The organic market has grown tremendously during the COVID crisis. We have peak for some products of plus percent in the first, uh, in the first and uh, second, in the first lockdown, let's say, and then um, this trend continued also after the lockdown. So what we experienced is that many European consumers, when they had to face a health challenge, they found their refugee, let's say, they, they, their uh, their safe place into organic. So they wanted to buy more organic food, probably because they felt it was safer for them to buy organic food, You know, to avoid contamination from pesticide and uh, to avoid damaging uh, even further environment. So they started to buy more food. And they kept buying more food, more organic food. So I think it's it's relevant to mention this aspect that in a way COVID was was good for the development of our market because a lot of new people started to buy organic.
0: I I can also attest to that. I've seen... um... Yeah, that development in my own country, for example, in Kenya, we did see a tip in um, people buying more organic products as a result of uh, this pandemic. Also talked um, a guy from uh, UK. So they also saw similar trend of, you know, people interested in buying more organic products. So yeah, it's a very interesting uh, development as well that when it comes to matter of uh, health and uh, things of nature, people actually do seek refuge, as you said, in uh, the organic movement, which is also very, very interesting on its own. We are also seeing um changes that are going probably to come within the organic movement in Europe because we did see uh, the European Commission yeah they said some uh, new regulations which were supposed to um, come in uh, this January but they expected to be um, enacted in the coming January in 2022 so from these new regulations what should um, yeah, European consumers expect and uh, businesses and different people within the value chain, what should they expect from this new regulation that is going to come up in the, the coming year?
1: So when it goes to the organic regulation, uh, we, we have to tell people what, what is going to be there. Yeah. We have to tell people um, why we wanted to postpone. The regulation of one year so let me explain you one thing that's uh, this new regulation th- this is a bit of a let's say technical uh part okay but i think it's important that uh, your listener understand uh, this how this is uh, made up you know yeah because this new regulation is uh is it may- made of a basic act so a basic legislation which was uh, approved in 2018 after seven years of negotiation. Seven years of tough negotiation between uh, the Commission, the other uh, European institutions, and also between, let's say, the organic movement, because we have been very tough, because we were not very happy about what was going to to be published by the policymakers. So the seven years have been quite tough, quite tense. Then in 2018, we approved this basic act, which is basically setting up the scene of the new regulation, but which is accompanied by... Other twenty-three pieces of legislation. So we have one basic act plus twenty-three pieces of legislation. Of these twenty-three pieces of legislation, as today five still have to be approved, and we are on the tenth of December, and the deadline is the thirty-first of December. So when uh, when COVID exploded, we realized that it was impossible to finalize this 23 uh, extra legislation by end of 2021. We were actually right because we are in a, uh, sorry by end, end of 2020 we were actually right because now we are in the end of 2021 and still five of this regulation have to be um have to be approved. So we as iFarm Organics Europe have been advocating a lot towards the institution, asking to postpone the entry into force to allow, you know, the policymakers to work properly on on this extra legislation, which is called technically secondary legislation. So we wanted them to really focus on that. But we also wanted to have uh, our certification system Mm. able to learn how to apply the new regulation. Because, you know, uh, during COVID, it was difficult to make inspection. It was difficult to really... Do the things in the right way so we wanted to have the inspector really focused on what they needed to do not what they will have to do so we asked the commission to take one year more so to allow the inspector and the certification system to take care of COVID and make sure that you know more food was available on the shelves as well as you know developing the secondary legislation properly and then at the time for the certification system to understand the new legislation and then Implement it from 2022. So that's that's a bit uh, of technicalities which I think are important to know. When it goes to content of the new regulation, doesn't change a lot. You, you might ask why then we have a new regulation. Then yes. this uh, this is a question I will not answer. But uh, I will tell you that something's good is there. I mean, um, there is um, a new provision which will allow uh, organic farmers in Europe to use. Um, heterogeneous material for their seeds and their um, plant reproduction material which is new which is good which is a, a premiere in europe it's the first time that is allowed in europe you know the use of heterogeneous material in, uh, in organic farming and in farming in general um, there are new provisions for group certification which i think might be interesting for the people uh, uh, also extra EU because this will be now applied in eu but also as before uh, in third countries, there will be restriction on the use of flavoring for the food industry, which I think is, is important to mention. And a uh, last point I want to mention, just as, a, as an information, there would be uh, an exemption from the annual physical inspection for low risk operators. What does it mean? That small farmers who are not high risk for the certification system, for the control system, they might not be inspected physically every year, mm-hmm. but every two years. This to reduce a bit the burdens
0: on the small farmers and uh,
1: to, to make it a little bit more uh, feasible for them to to be organic
0: certified. Yeah, I certainly I think they are very, very interesting, especially the part of uh, group certification that also um, yeah reduces significantly the amount of um, money that goes into certification. And ultimately, of course, uh, consumers will be able to see a reflection of that in one way or another in their end products. Because now if certification uh, uh, money reduces also, they might be able to see that on uh, their end products that they're buying from uh, supermarkets. And at the moment, actually, it looks like there are a lot of things that are happening within uh, the European organic movement. The other thing that is very, very interesting is um, um, you do have a target of getting up to 25% organic in Europe by 2030. Yeah, it's one of those uh, ambitions that you see a lot of people yeah having different um, thoughts Towards it, and uh, especially I'm mean, in Wageningen University, I've seen articles uh, yeah, spreading around that. Yeah, maybe that is not a reality. That's <laughs> uh, a pipe dream. But I'm wondering from your perspective, how are you approaching this ambition? I mean, maybe you can first let us know what is your role? What are some of the roles that you have to make sure that this um, target is actually reached? And how is the progress so far and what are some of the maybe pushbacks you're getting from different sectors on this ambition?
1: I think the 25% target is one of the most discussed target uh, in Europe, but maybe
0: not only in Europe in the in
1: the last, last two years. Uh, let me take a step back. Yeah, let me take a step back to twenty fifteen. Let's travel back in the in the past. When in twenty fifteen in iFarm Organics Europe we started developing an European vision for organic farming. Yeah. So we started asking ourselves what kind of agriculture do we want in twenty thirty? And how we can reach that. And we made a long, uh, long process to involve all our membership, to really understand from them what uh, what their dream is, you know, what their vision is. And then with the support of a, a strong uh, scientific community, we, we developed this uh, this vision. So a vision and a vision that tell us the dream of the organic sector. And that was accompanied by the strategy. A strategy to really make sure that we could reach that dream among other things this uh, vision says we want by 2030 50 percent of organic land uh, managed accordingly to the principle of organic farming and all the activity of iFarm Organics Europe have been in this direction we have been really working in the direction to make sure that policymakers could commit to a a bigger share of land managed organically and this has been a long process it's been a long process We'll. Would start to fly uh, a little bit higher in 2019 when a new commission was elected, and we had uh, a speech from the president of the commission Ursula von der Leyen about the Green Deal, this macroeconomic policy for the European bloc for the next seven years. So the Green Deal, as you as you might know, it's not a, a policy for environment or it's yeah. a policy for agriculture. It's the macro uh, European policy for the development of the of the yeah. Europe, you know, of the yeah. European Union. Yeah. it's very big. And that it encompasses all the sector of the European industry. But what was relevant, and uh, we've been really looking into that, you know, uh, the president of the commission mentioned three times organic farming in airspeed. We were really, you know, in the background pushing for that long time before the speech was made, because we really wanted to make sure that uh, organic is recognized as a solution that can be part of this package of the Green Deal. And this was uh, a very important achievement for us, because starting from that speech, we had the possibility then to advocate really to have a target and really to have more commitment from the European Commission. What we did, uh, we talked a lot. We really explained all the benefits of uh, organic farming. And we managed to um, to discuss it with the policymakers at a very high level. And then they decided to have a target for organic. They say yes, organic can be that tool that helps us to reach the objective of the Green Deal. And I think uh, this target has a very important political meaning. Mm. Because it's not only a target about, you know, organic farming, but it's a target about having organic as a political tool to reach bigger ambition. And then we found this target in two important strategies of the European Commission. One is called the biodiversity strategy. Another one is called the farm to fork strategy. Both strategies say we need 25% organic land. The first one, because we want more biodiversity. The second one, because we want to reduce fertilizer, pesticide and antibiotics. In the agricultural sector so the target is there by these two strategies and has triggered a number of actions that are going on in in europe and in the member states but uh, also triggered a very important tool which is an european action plan yeah. that has been published a uh, few months ago it's a set of 23 actions if i'm not mistaken um, with concrete requests from the commission to the member states or to us to the organic movement you know to take action in certain fields but also concrete commitment the Commission itself. Yeah. Concrete commitment that goes in the direction of uh, reinfencing money, for example, for innovation in organic farming, as well as reinfencing uh, money for promotion of organic farming. I think this action plan is very important because will help us to reach this target. Going on the target, where we start? We start from a situation in which now in Europe, we have almost uh, a little bit more then 8% organic land. And it's 2021, end of 2021. So in eight years, we want to reach 25%. We need three times what we have now. Does it sound ambitious? Yes, I mean, it sounds ambitious. To us, it sounds also very much possible if there is a strong commitment by all the people involved. So by the European policymakers, by the national policymakers, but also by all the people who is now involved in organic and all the people that might get involved in organic. I think it's important to mention one one data, you know, if we look at the development of organic in the last years, if we project it to the future, yeah. without a stronger commitment, we would have reached about 18%. But this is not an iFarm Organics Europe uh, estimation. This is a European uh, Commission estimation. So they estimated that with business as usual, we would reach 18%. So I expect that th- the next year will not be business as usual because of the target, because of the action plan, yeah. because of our increased commitment about uh,
0: towards organic
1: farming. So say say that from eighteen to twenty five uh let's say it's still a big step, but it's a step that we can take
0: absolutely agree and in terms of the ambition, I mean we have to be more ambitious in order to achieve these targets, and otherwise it doesn't make sense for us to continue business as usual, and this we can see, business as usual cannot be an option for us to to do moving forward um, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, you said you know how important research and innovation is to whatever you do and I guess that's very, very important in terms of when trying to convince policymakers that, you know, this is the right direction to take. Right. So you need some form of evidence to show them, hey, this is what research is saying. This was the science is saying. And maybe taking this option is the right way to do it. And you've been at the core of um, yeah, leading TP organics, as you mentioned earlier, into this direction. So maybe uh, you can help. You know, listeners understand what is TP Organics and maybe you know share with us some of the technological examples that you've seen TP Organics come up with and really, yeah, help move the organic movement in the right direction.
1: I think it's a very interesting experience and a best practice uh, that we developed in, uh, in uh, iFarm Organics Europe. So, basically, um, in 2007, the organic movement in Europe wanted to. Uh, bring to policymakers uh, the the needs, One wanted to express to policymakers the needs to invest more into organic uh, research and innovation. This was not easy. This was not easy because in Europe there is a framework which is made of European technology platform who advise the commission on where the money should go, you know? So there are European technology platform for all the different sectors, one for, I don't know, nuclear energy, one for... uh, Technological system, one for uh, whatever. You, you you think one, there is a European technology platform. There are yeah. 40 technology platforms at the moment in Europe. And when we proposed to have one for organic, we were told, "Ah, come on, guys, organic is just a niche sector. Yeah. You have already one for food. You have already one for agriculture. So just find your place in there. But, you know, organic farmer and uh, the organic community is not, uh, it's not used to surrender very easily. So we, we kept working on uh, on this project, TP Organics, very hard. We, we followed all the steps that the other European technology platform did with the idea that to have all industrial partners, because basically this European technology platform are a platform where industrial uh, actors go together with the scientists, you know, and advise the commission of what research is needed to develop the sector. We wanted to do something a little bit bigger, a little bit broader. We wanted also to involve civil society with us. Mm -hmm. We wanted to involve the citizen to discuss with us what is the research that the farmers need, the industry needs, the retailer needs, you know, the input we need, but together with the environmental organization, together with the civil society organization, and indeed, together with the science. TP Organics uh, developed really much from 2008. To 2013 and then further again. But I think 2013 is an important milestone because it's the milestone one TP Organic has been officially recognized mm. by the European Commission. So since 2013, we sit at the same table as the other European technology plans. So we are one of those bodies yeah. who advise the Commission on how the money for organic should be spent, how the money for research into organic and agroecology should be used. And uh, I think it's an interesting experience also because Deep Organic is not all about the organic community because during the journey, yeah. a lot of non-organic people have joined the platform. So we have inside, you know, uh, organization of conventional farmers, of young farmers, of uh, conventional industries, we really have a big group of stakeholders discussing with us the strategy for research and innovation of the future because all these people is interested. They say, if we have more solutions for organic, then we can also commit into organic. Yeah. So they are helping us to understand the strategic research and innovation agenda that we need for the further development of the sector. And uh, we, we really work with them on a participatory level and voluntary level. So all these people is involved you know, in helping us, streamlining, the research and innovation that we need for the future. And uh, we've been also front runner uh STP Organics in cooperating with the technological partner. I, I will tell you about technology technologies, but I would like also to say that for us, it's important to mention that innovation is not only about technology. Yeah. Yeah, innovation is also about social innovation. It's also about the way we do things. So management innovation is about know-how innovation, which means, you know, we know already a lot of things. How can we make sure that what we know is transformed into a real innovation? yeah and uh, so technological innovation plays a role plays a role in a much bigger uh view of what innovation means for us and i was saying we've been a front runner in technological innovation because already 2014 so many years ago we started discussion with the european technology pa- platform for smart system so the one are normally developing smart system for other industrial sector? We told them, look, maybe you have something for us. Maybe not, but maybe you you could. Why don't we work together? We started working together on uh, topics that at uh, that time were quite um, unknown. Let me say, like artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, uh, smart contract blockchain, a lot of this kind of stuff. I think this cooperation was really profitable from both sides. I mean, they found a new market, probably the agricultural market. We found new information, a new possible solution. I say possible solution because we have always to be careful. Yeah. Because, you know, when it goes to technology, we have to bring them into our basket full of tools that we can use, but we should not rely too much on that. And also we have to be careful because uh, sometimes technology brings with them a big luggage of unfairness. Yeah. yeah i'm talking about the way this technology are uh, developed where the components are outsourced you know where the, they are sourced or uh, how this technology are uh, dismantled afterwards so the waste that this technology might produce so i think uh, we have plenty of example of uh, how you know artificial intelligence Internet of things could be using organic farming we have Uh, very smart organic farmers who have now uh, wearables for the cow or for the sheep. uh, They can monitor where the cow is or when the cows wants to be milked and automatically the cows goes there and can be milked, you know. We have uh, experiment uh, a very high um, level of details with sensor in in wine making from from the field to the bottle, you know, and even the shipment of the bottle, how to prevent, you know, that the wine goes bad during uh during the transportation so we really have a, a big portfolio of a pilot project and projects developed uh, uh, into the field of technologies which I invite you to to visit uh, on our website we have a we have a, a TP organics website which is wwwcorganics.eu where you can find uh, a library with a lot of projects and a lot of information about innovation that have been developed let me add one more thing uh, tp organic is enabled You know, we enable Fruity Organics more money for organic farming, but then we need the organic community to take the advantage of it, to make sure that then they, you know, apply, they build up consortia to apply for this project. They put together their expertise with other expertise and they really take this money uh, to develop innovation and then can go in the ground, you know, then can reach the final users. We, as iFarm Organics Europe, are very much committed to that. I mentioned it uh, earlier during this interview. We have a knowledge unit, which is working in a, implementing innovation project themselves. But we also have developed, together with other partners, a uh, knowledge innovation platform, which is called organicfarmknowledge.bo. Yeah. Uh, I invite you to Google it. This is a very useful platform because it's a platform that has been fought and developed for end users. So for people who need to apply this innovation. So the language and the tools that you find there ready to be used by a farmer or by an advisor you know they're developed in a, a simple way that can be downloaded on your um, your smartphone or can be printed or can be watched you know on your computer i mean user friendly so i invite you to have a look at this platform because i think uh can be an added value now but also in future because our aim is to fill it in with all the old innovation and more and more projects that we want to develop in the coming years.
0: I can imagine, I mean, as you mentioned, I if you, we could start talking about what um, yeah, iPhone Organics Europe is involved in. We can probably take for hours and hours. And yeah, the last conversation just proved that on uh, how much you are really, really involved in improving the organic sector and also bringing in other parties within the organic movement. And that directly actually leads me to my next question here. I mean, right now we are seeing different um sustainability yeah movements coming in uh maybe uh we can talk about regenerative movement permaculture biodynamic uh movements and other sustainability movements generally talking about them but now i'm wondering from your perspective i mean from an organic perspective in, and as you are involved in um policy advocacy within the european commission and the european union how are you approaching these different groups of sustainability are you seeing them as competition are you seeing as them as people you can work together to advance the sustainability movement. So what is your approach to them in ensuring maybe as you continue to work with them also, you are seeing the organic voice is also being heard clearly. Let me say, I think
1: some revolution has failed because then people started to fight themselves, you know, the revolutionaries started to fight themselves. That's what we need to avoid. I mean, if there are truly real, sustainable movement who wants to change the way we do food. In our world, then we cannot be enemy, we cannot be competitor. We need to work together. I mean, we really need to work together on the base of strong principles who can be, you know, a common ground for all of us, only with a truly real sustainable one, the one that shares the principle. I mean, unfortunately, there is a lot of people now around us who are trying just to greenwash. I mean, once I was talking with a person here in Brussels in a very important meeting and we were talking about glyphosate and uh, this this person told me, "Ah, you know what? I mean, we are doing agroecology and we even managed to reduce 50% of glyphosate. So I took the guy, look at him and he said, and you are not doing agroecology? Ah, indeed, indeed, we do. It's much more ecological now. I mean, that's not agroecology. We know that that's not agroecology. It's not about spraying less, but not having glyphosate. I mean, when we go to regenerative agriculture, we have some industry here in Europe who's saying, ah, I do cover crops. So I'm regenerative agriculture. We know that's not the the truth. We know what regenerative agriculture is about. So I think it's important that we really base uh, our discussion with allies on the principle. I believe there are a lot of good movements were organic inside let's say so they start with it with an organic uh, principle inside them yeah. which is shared and then there are a lot of people who wants just to capitalize on the success we had we have to be very careful with them we have to have a clear common strategy to put them aside to kick them out of the door and to make sure that consumer will not get into the trap that they are preparing you know
0: mm, yeah so yeah I, I have very clear feelings about the good ones but also about the bad ones i think i agree also and uh... I think the organic movement got where it is right now through sticking to its principles. I mean, they are always very, very clear. It doesn't matter if you go to Asia or you're in South America or you're in North North America or you're in Europe. All these principles are what binds us together and has helped us really get through the, tough times uh, across the years so f- of course the organic movement has to uh, work with other industries that are similar but it, it had it doesn't have to be through compromising on uh, our beliefs and you know some of the things we hold dear to art the other thing also the um, iPhone organics Europe was very important in playing is um when the European institutions you know the European Parliament, uh, the Council of the European Union, and the European Commission actually signed um, a joint declaration stating the 23rd of uh, September being as the official uh, EU organic day. And uh, I, I'm sure you guys had um, a huge role to play in this, but maybe you can just uh, help us understand why this signal is actually important uh, moving forward. And uh, yeah, d- what uh, effect do you see this kind of um, yeah, illustration coming? Into effect, really, is going to have for the organic movement uh, moving forward. European Organic Day.
1: Yeah, yeah that sounds already very good. nine in my ears, the European Organic Day. It's it's big. Uh, it's big day. It's day of celebration. It's a day where we can celebrate the success of organic farming in the last uh, in the last thirty years uh, in Europe, and uh, is uh, is a day that has been. Uh, uh, institutionalized because it's part of the European Organic Action Plan, yeah. which uh, which will be accompanying campaigning the growth of the sector in the next uh, in the next years. This is a day that we strongly wanted as from Organics Europe you know, because, as I say, it's a day to celebrate organic farming, but it's also a day to take a uh, uh, take a stake of where the development of organics uh, is. Compared to the twenty-five percent organic target that the Commission wants, so yeah. we want the Organic Day to become the day in which we can celebrate all over Europe organic farming, organic farmers, and the organic industry, and the, you know everyone involved in organic. But we also want the the twenty-third of September to the, to be the day in which we can face the European institution to say, Hey, are you keeping the promise to support us? Are you keeping the promise to give us the you know all the elements, all the tools to reach the twenty-five percent? And it will be also way, a, a way and a day to talk to ourselves, to say, are we gonna do all we have been promising to the people to do?
0: Yeah.
1: Are we are we committed to this 25%? Are we working in the right direction? So I think uh, the 23rd of September has a, a very broad meaning for the organic community in Europe. And as I said, it's a way to celebrate organic. And I think it's important. We, we need a moment uh, every year to remind ourselves of the good job we are doing, and I think this European Organic Day uh, will be will be the appropriate moment. And I would like to add that uh, we have talked with the European Commissioner. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to come with us in Biofac 2022. And we have a little surprise linked to the Organic Day, to European Organic Day, that we will announce in Biofac. So uh, stay tuned, because I think, uh, especially for the European Organic sector, it will be a very important and uh, interesting surprise that uh, the European Commissioner is going to announce during Biofac
0: nice nice can't wait can't wait for the surprise i'll make sure the, that uh, i'll be there as well to experience that surprise live from my own perspective i think um, you guys are setting uh, trailblazing really in terms of what your yeah, different organic sectors can do in terms of trying to push for um, what organic is not just from a delusional point of view but yeah approaching it from uh the facts point of view i just wanted for you to share with us what has been the secret for your success i mean we do have uh, these different um, regional bodies. Uh, we have ones in Asia, in North America, uh, in South America. But you guys, you know, when you look at all these regional bodies, you you have been really the, uh, the light bearer in terms of how organic advocacy should be done. So what advice or what insights do you think have helped you guys to be in this position and, you know, to push organic to go f- further and forward?
1: Uh, I have a clear answer for you. Our strengths are our members and our staff. Hmm. Our members were fully committed to the cause. So they are very active and they help us to formulate a very strong uh, policy paper, policy position, you know, as I say, it's supported by science, but really also by people that is working every day on the ground. So our our policy position are real, are made of real people working every day in the industry, working every day in the retailing, working every day in the farms, and this is an important strength. And then we have an amazing staff. I mean, my colleagues are great professionals who also understood the importance not to bring their point of view, but our members' point of view to yeah. well interpret this role of translator of their needs. So they are great professional. They have uh, very good knowledge about the topic they are, uh, you know, uh, working on. But they uh, they use this knowledge to make sure that the needs and, uh, the, let's say, the discussion that our members have are translated in the right, appropriate process language. Yeah. And then we are also a bit lucky because maybe, uh, you know, we, we are in the right place in the right moment. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> let me say, if I have to be
0: objective, our members and our staff really makes a difference. I think that teams make uh, the dream work as they as they always say so congratulations to all of you and uh, yeah I can't uh, wait to see what's going to happen now yeah in the coming few years and how the organic movement develops within Europe yeah this is the point where I usually go to the fun part of the conversation so uh it's called the rapid fire question so uh where I have prepared uh 10 questions for you so I'm going just to throw them at you and then yeah you can also uh your quick rapid fire answers to me and then hopefully by the end of it we'll be having some fun and uh, guys will have a chance to know more uh, more about you before the conversation ends so um are you ready to get started that's us go. Cool. yeah so the first question on uh, the rapid fire question is uh what was the first career you dreamt of having when you were a kid
1: yeah i i loved to work outside you know to work uh, in the you know in the agricultural sector in the food sector in the environmental sector so to be someone who would experience not just four wolves
0: around him nice uh second question if you had to eat one meal going forward what would you eat? You know, I'm Neapolitan.
1: I come from the city of Pizza, So there is no <laughs> question about that.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, the third question, who is your favorite historical figure?
1: Yeah, uh, I have to go back to my roots. He's, he's a young guy. It's called Masaniello. No one knows him very well outside of my city, Naples. But this young guy, I think he was 12 years old, is the one who started the, a 4 days revolution against the Nazis. Ah. So because of him, the city was uh, made free from the Nazis in four days. It was just because of this little guy who was very courageous, very brave to start fighting the Nazis alone and then all the other people came to help him. And uh, I always think about him when I think about people who has uh, a dream that wants to achieve and sometimes has to fight hard. This guy died in this fight but made possible for the
0: city to be free. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Sam. That's very inspiring. Fourth question. What sport do you like to watch or participate in? Uh, I'm very lazy. I like PlayStation. Let's say that. Uh, the fifth question. What is your favorite beverage? Coffee or tea?
1: Coffee fine in Italy, tea all over the world.
0: Um, what is your favorite book? Uh, a Brave New World
1: of Axley. I really like the book. I think it's, uh, it's, it's very nice. But I also like uh, overall the books of the Dostoyevsky. All, all his books are very good.
0: Uh, seventh question. If you could be any animal, what would you be? Maybe a bird.
1: To mm-hmm. be free to fly all over the world.
0: Um, the eighth question. Are you an alibad or a night owl? I was definitely an early bird.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm now definitely an early bird, but I, I was really a night owl before I was father of two now with mm-hmm. two
0: kids yeah i mean this morning i woke up at six probably <laughs> <laughs> bird <laughs> yeah yeah responsibility um the ninth question what quote resonates with you most the, i have one which
1: I, I like it a lot because it's from master yoda from star wars and he says always do or not do there is no try
0: so uh the last question of a rapid fire question knowing what you know now what advice could you give to your 18 year old self
1: i would tell myself to follow uh my instinct, let's say, uh, but I would also tell myself to buy maybe some shade of organic companies. Who were very cheap when I was eighteen, and uh, I, I I knew all of them, and uh, I would be rich now. But uh, <laughs> yes, that's that's uh, that's another story now. But I, I really think I would suggest myself to follow my instinct. Yeah, uh, I mean, I followed organic. When I was sixteen, and I think I did right right things.
0: Nice, nice. Um, thank you very much for participating in the rapid fire question. I'm sure the audience will. Uh, know something or two they didn't know before they yeah listen to this conversation. And um, overall, I enjoyed the conversation a lot get to know more about what's happening in the organic movement within Europe. Maybe you can um, share with them what is the best way they can uh, follow your work and they can follow iPhone organics uh, movement moving forward. Yes, I,
1: I think uh, our newsletter is a very informative tool, really. I mean, uh, you, you can read a lot about what we do. Uh, and then our social media, we are quite active on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. I myself also tweeting sometime and uh, posting things on LinkedIn, so you can also look up for my profile. But uh, indeed, the social media of Organic Organics Europe and TP Organics, if you're interested also in the research part, they are both very active and uh, provide a lot of information. And then if you have questions, uh, you can look up in uh, our website. There is a page with all our staff and uh, what they are working on. You can contact us and ask your questions
0: and nice. get involved
1: in nice. your contribution please
0: nice 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 thank you very much for uh being uh yeah very open and willing to share your work and um yeah thank you very much for creating time to join me in the podcast uh looking forward to meeting you in person probably uh if uh biofac you know still them uh enjoy and uh thank you very much